He is risen. I said he is risen. Yeah. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Good afternoon. Well, almost good afternoon. Uh, thank you for joining us here at Pinion Hills Community Church. My name is Matt. I'm the new lead pastor here at this church. I started back in July, but this is my first Easter with this community. So thank you for having me be a part of what you guys are doing here. And if you are visiting with us for the first time, you're new, I'm new, hey, we can be friends. We can all be new together. But what I am hopeful for is that this Easter for me, this might sound a little bit selfish, but, but I'm hoping that this Easter for me will be a little bit better than Easter's that I've had in years past. For example, a couple years ago, I ate a lot of peanuts on the day before Easter. Like, I'm talking like a, like a Sam's Club thing of peanuts, like the whole container, I ate them all, and I got peanut poisoning. And so, Easter day was, was really a poor Easter for me for that, by that particular year. But that wasn't even my worst Easter. My worst Easter was when I was about six years old. I remember we had this tradition in my family that the, the Easter bunny would come to our house, and for my older sisters and I, we would have an Easter basket hidden somewhere in the house every Easter morning. So every Easter, we would run downstairs, we'd try to find where's our hidden Easter basket. Now, sometimes the Easter bunny was really creative in where the Easter bunny would hide the basket, sometimes behind the couch, sometimes in the grandfather clock in the hallway, sometimes in the piano inside the lid. The Easter bunny would get very, very creative. When I was six years old, I come downstairs and I'm looking everywhere. I look behind the couch, no Easter basket. Look in the clock, no Easter basket. Look in the piano, no Easter basket. I'm looking everywhere for my Easter basket, and I can't find it. And so I decided in my six-year-old wisdom, you know what I should do? Maybe perhaps the Easter bunny, maybe he hid my basket outside. So I went outside looking for my Easter basket. I go into the backyard. I'm looking behind the trees, looking behind bushes. I get to the shed. We've got our lawnmower in the shed. We've got some yard tools in the shed. I go to the shed, and on the outside of the shed, there's a dead bunny. And normally, in my six-year-old self, I probably would have picked it up by, by the ear and like poked it with a stick or something, but not on Easter morning. Easter morning, I see the dead bunny, and I'm smart, right? I put two and two together. It's Easter. There's a bunny, and I'm missing my basket. <laughs> so I call, Mom! Mom! She runs out, curlers her in her hair. She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? She's like, I said, Mom, look. It's the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny's dead. And she's like, no, 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 Matt. That's not the Easter Bunny. I'm like, yes, it is. Isn't it Easter? Isn't it Easter morning, Sunday, Easter? And she's like, well, it is Easter Sunday. Yes, it is. And I was like, well, it's Easter, and that's a bunny. Therefore, it's the Easter Bunny. He's dead. And I'm not getting my Cadbury eggs, and I'm not getting my Reese's egg. That's a 1,000 calories. I'm so sad about the fact that I somehow the Easter Bunny's dead. She's like, Matt, the Easter Bunny's not dead. Don't worry. She brings me back inside, and she helps me find my basket, which was was hidden in the dishwasher. <laughs> for a brief moment there, however, for a brief moment, I thought every Easter for me had changed. There's no more candy, no more Cadbury, no more any of that. I thought everything had changed. And the reality is that oftentimes when we go through life, there's different seasons, different chapters where we feel like everything changes. Perhaps you can remember what it was like as a little kid when you went to kindergarten or preschool for the first time. Or maybe you don't remember that, but maybe you've had kids that have gone through pre preschool or kindergarten. And they were used to being at home with mom or dad all the time, but then they start going to school. And they're having to socialize with other people. They're learning their alphabet. They're learning words. They're learning math, like two plus two is five. They're learning all sorts of good, <laughs> just making sure you're paying attention. They're learning all sorts of different things. And from compared to being at home all the time to going to school, it seems like everything's changed. They get a little bit older. They go into middle school. In middle school, everything changes again because they used to have recess three times throughout the day. But in middle school, you don't get to have recess anymore. And it's kind of sad. They get a little bit older. You go to high school, and everything seems to change again. You get more homework, more responsibility, perhaps a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You get more stuff. 
stuff laid on you, you, you get more things that you're responsible for. Perhaps a driver's license. You get more freedom and everything changes. Then you get a little bit older. Perhaps you go to college. And when you go to college, you have more homework, more responsibility, more stuff that's expected of you. Life gets a little bit more difficult. Perhaps you're living in a dorm with people that you've never met before and everything seems different. Everything seems like it's changed. You graduate from college. You start your new career. You start in a new role in life. You're getting your first paycheck, your first real paycheck, but you're also getting your first real bills. <laughs> and you're like, what? I got to pay for life? I got to pay for gas and insurance that mom and dad have been paying for, for such a long time? It seems like everything's changed again. And then after your career, perhaps you retire. And you feel like, what am I going to do with the rest of my time that I have? And it feels like everything has shifted. Everything has changed again. You, we go through this journey of life. And over and over, it seems like everything's changed. Everything's changed. Everything's changed. And sometimes it's not just the normalcy of life. Sometimes it's events that take place around us or to us. Perhaps everything changes when, when somebody that you love passes away. Perhaps a friend, a colleague, maybe a parent, maybe even a child. Even reading the news this morning, bombings across the world in India and Sri Lanka, over 200 people have already been killed in Easter services, and their families are forever changed, just like that. Perhaps you lost a job, you were laid off, you were fired, and you relied upon that income to pay your mortgage, pay the bills. Perhaps you got a diagnosis, and everything's changed. The way you look at life has changed. How you invest your time, the food that you eat, everything has changed. Perhaps you win the lottery and everything's changed financially for you and you remember your favorite pastor as well. <laughs> there's seasons that we go through in life, there's events that take place to us and everything seems like it changes and that's exactly what happened about 2,000 years ago to a handful of teenage boys as they were following this guy named Jesus Christ. These teenagers were following him from town to town, village to village. And Jesus was going out there saying outlandish things like, You have heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That was so different than what everybody else was saying in the culture at the time. But Jesus was saying these kind of crazy things. But the, the disciples stuck with him. Town to town, village to village. For three years, these guys walk and talk and eat with Jesus. They do life with Jesus up until mid-April or so when they go into Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. They come into town and Jesus shortly thereafter is arrested for the charge of blasphemy. You say you're the son of God. You say you're the Messiah. That's blasphemous. So they arrested him. They put him through a brief trial, and then they decide to, to flog him, to beat him publicly. They take a cat of nine tails, and they whip him over and over and over. 39 times. The death penalty was 40. They gave him 40 minus 1. 39 lashes. He's barely holding on for life. They give him a cross to carry to the top of the hill. He starts going to the top of the hill. He can't even make it to the top of the hill. Somebody gets plucked out of the crowd, carry Jesus' cross up to the rest, rest of the way up the hill. He gets to the top of the hill, and then he gets nailed through his hands, through his feet with nine-inch nails for public humiliation. He's on the top of the hillside, Jerusalem. The whole city of Jerusalem is looking at him. And as the city of Jerusalem is looking upon him, how humiliating that must have been. Being stuck to this cross, half-naked, with all your friends and family looking upon you. How humiliating. Yet Jesus looks down on the people that put him there and says, Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. He's nearing death. He mutters the word tadalaste, which means it is finished. And then he takes his last breath, and the Son of God died. The Messiah, dead on the cross. Some of his closest family and friends were there, and they, they lowered his body off the cross. 
to put his body in a borrowed tomb not too far away. He didn't even have his own tomb. He was homeless for much of his life. They put Jesus in the tomb. They wrap his body with some linens. And then they roll a stone in front of it and they seal, they seal it so nobody can take or mess with the body. At which point, everybody probably backed away. The mother of Jesus, Mary, can you imagine what the agony must have felt like as she leaves and walks away from the tomb, having just experienced and watched her firstborn child be crucified on a cross? The disciples all leave. They go into hiding. They go into a warehouse. They close the windows. They lock the doors. And they all hunker down because now their leader, their rabbi, their Messiah is dead. He's in a tomb. Everything's different for them. It seems like everything's over. So they hunker down hoping that nobody discovers who they are or where they are. Because if, if somebody found out that they were following Jesus, then maybe they too would have to go to the cross. Maybe they too would be crucified. So they're, they're fearful and they're cowering and they're hiding away in a locked warehouse. And for three days, it seemed like everything was over. But then on the third day, two women, they get up early in the morning and they go to the tomb to pay their respects to Jesus. And something significant happened. Follow along on the screen behind me. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Here's what happened. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And friends, those three words, he has risen, are some of the most impactful and powerful words that we will ever hear. Because if he really did come back from the dead... It changes everything for you and I. There's four significant truths. If he has risen, if what the angel said in that tomb was true, if Jesus wasn't there, there's four other significant truths that really stand out to me and resonate with me. The first one is this. Jesus somehow in some way conquered death. Now, that's significant in and of itself, that somebody somehow came back from the dead. But it's also significant because of what had been said about the Messiah in the Old Testament. There was prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah that he would be crucified and somehow he would conquer death. Here's what it says in the Old Testament. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, quotes the Old Testament. Here's what he says in this quotation. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? And then Paul continues on and, and says this about that, that old prophecy. He says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have victory because of what Jesus did on the cross. Somehow, in some way, he conquered death. That is impossible. It's a miracle only made available based on the power of God himself. He conquered death. Now, if that's true, that leads to another significant statement as well that's also true. What Jesus said was true all along. Because Jesus didn't just happen to die. And he didn't just happen to go to the cross. He didn't just happen to come back three days later. He called it before he ever got arrested. It's kind of like Babe Ruth, the old baseball player. He used to get up to the plate and point out and say he was going to call the shot. Then he'd get up and then crank it out. Hit a home run exactly where he hit it. That's what Jesus did. Before he ever got arrested, here's what he said in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 7. Red letters of the Bible. Here's what Jesus said. He said, the Son of Man, speaking about himself, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. He called it before he ever got arrested. 
He called it before he was ever crucified. He said, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm coming back three days later. What he said was true. And if that also is true, if he has risen, if he's conquered death, which means that what he said is true, there's another statement, there's a third statement that is also true. He was who he said he was. Because here's the reality, friends. Jesus never, he never claimed just to be a good guy. He never claimed just to be a good teacher. He never claimed to be a prophet. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of Man. I am the Son of God. I am Jehovah. I am God in the flesh. I am the great I am. He made some big claims about who he was. Jesus said this in John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He didn't just make claims that he was just a nice person. He says he's the Son of God. But if the angel was authentic, if, if he has risen, that means he's conquered death in some way. That means what he said was true, and what he said was that he is the Son of God. If all of that is true, friends, that changes everything for you and for I. It changed everything back then 2,000 years ago. The disciples changed everything for them. They were hunkered down in this warehouse. They were hoping that nobody would find out where they are at. I hope, no, hope nobody knows that I was a follower of Jesus. I hope nobody knows that I'm hiding away because I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to get crucified like our leader did. But then... After the crucifixion, Jesus comes back three days later and he shows up in that warehouse where his disciples are hiding. And he shows up, doesn't knock, doors are, are locked, the, the windows are locked, and Jesus shows up and people are like, what are you doing, Jesus? He's like, I don't know, feeling cute, thought I'd come back from the dead, I don't know. <laughs> They're like, is it really you, Jesus? He's like, put your, put your fingers in, in my hand, put your finger in my palm, put your, put your fist in my side, yeah, it's me. And I'm back. I was crucified, but I conquered death. And from that moment forward, these disciples decided to leave that warehouse and go out from town to town, village to village, proclaiming Jesus is Lord. Now, why would they say that when they were fearful of getting caught for being followers of Jesus? The only thing that switched for them is that Jesus showed up as the resurrected Christ. And friends, the resurrection for those disciples changed everything. To the point where some of those disciples even did go to the cross. They were crucified for following after Jesus. But they were like, we're all in. Jesus is Lord. Why? Because they had seen the resurrected Christ. Those three words, he has risen, changed everything for those disciples. And it should change everything for you and for me. Because here's the reality. Here's the reality. If Jesus was who he said he was back then, he still is that same person today. If he was the son of God 2,000 years ago, he is still the son of God today. And that should change everything for you and for me. For me, it has definitely changed everything. I can guarantee you that I would not be standing on this stage right now if it had not been for those three words, he has risen. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't have married the girl of my dreams. I wouldn't have found her in the first place. We wouldn't have had the kids. I wouldn't have named them the names that we named them. Everything would be different. We wouldn't be living in Farmington, New Mexico. Everything would be different had it not been for those three words. He has risen. Everything has changed. Why? Because there is power in the resurrection of Jesus. And friends, it's not just me. It's not just my life that's been radically transformed and changed. Billions of people worldwide would say the same thing, that their lives have been changed in a radical way because Jesus changes everything. Which leads me to this question. Has Jesus changed everything for you? 
And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure if Jesus has changed everything for me. Maybe he's changed a, a couple things, maybe, maybe a few things. I mean, I'm here at church this morning. That's, that, that's changed. But I don't know if I would say he's changed everything. Here's what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If you would say that Jesus has not changed everything in your life, your life hasn't been radically transformed because of Jesus, then I would go out on a limb and say that you're not yet experiencing the life that God intended you to experience. Because Jesus changes everything. He changes the way that we speak to our spouse. He changes the way that we speak and lead our kids. He changes the, the job that we have, perhaps. Maybe why we're in the job that we have. He changes what we do with the paycheck that we get. He changes our lives. He changes our outlook. He changes everything in our lives. Have you been radically changed by Jesus? Are you living the full, abundant life? Does that mean that you're going to live a life just full of, of Easter eggs and, and peeps and everything's going to look good forever? No. Uh, there's going to be tough days and rough days, but, but if your life hasn't been radically transformed by Jesus, then perhaps you're not connected to Jesus like you could be. But here's what Jesus said in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you have a relationship with me, it's going to change everything. And here's how. Here's the fruit that he's referring to. Galatians 5.22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want more of that fruit in your life, you want to be radically transformed by Jesus, I would encourage you, be radically connected to Jesus. And this is a great community. This is a, a great church. We are one of, of over 100 churches in San Juan County. There's a lot of churches you can go to. And, and, and I think you could be well off going into those churches. This particular congregation, there are some fine people that attend Pinion Hills Community Church. Perhaps you could dig in and plant roots here and do life with other people here. Be connected to other people and at the same time be connected to Jesus. If Jesus hasn't radically transformed your life, then friends, the good news this morning is what Paul said to the Romans in Romans 10.9. He said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Which means you can have an eternity with God, your creator, the designer who loves you so much. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now perhaps somebody this morning has said to you, he is risen, and you responded back, he is risen indeed. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that he has risen, then you will be saved. So friends, that is encouraging, that is good news, that... We all get this Easter gift this morning, the fact that we get to have an eternity with our creator, that God wants a relationship with us forever, and all we've got to do is declare with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to give us all the opportunity, whether you've been attending this church since 1957 when this church started, or that this is your first morning here ever, I want to invite you to declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. In fact, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say it as loud as you can. Declare it out loud. Jesus is Lord. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Let's try again. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Say it like you mean it. It's Easter. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. <laughs>
If Jesus is Lord, he is risen. And if he is risen, he is Lord. He is who he said he was 2,000 years ago and still today. And that, my friends, changes everything, or at least it should. So I want to invite you to stand and sing. We're going to sing one more song together. It's all about the resurrection. The resurrection of the king is resurrecting me. It's resurrecting you. There is power in the resurrection, and it can change everything in your life. Let's sing as we celebrate the resurrection together.